Coming up next, Coming up next. the year in review. Happy New Year yet. Happy New Year's coming, though. Welcome to The Booking. Welcome to our final episode of the year 2017. And what a 2017 it's been. And we're going to be looking back on 2017 today, doing our, uh, we call it the, the, the Redux. Hey, standing outside the door. He's coming in late, and he's carrying... Party favors. Party favors. A bag of restaurant-style tortilla chips. Food. And he's got a, a thing of... Passe, picante, salsa. It's the pastor who's a master of reading. We had any, I thought we'd at least introduce me, your humble and obedient host, and Brandon, your... Oh, there he goes. He's leaving. He's had enough of our nonsense already. <laughs> He's just walking out the door. Okay. Well, there went Jake. Ah. Come back, Jake. <laughs> well, we, I can talk to you for a second. Don't it's, leave me. Don't leave me. It's uh, Brandon Chastain. Hey. The scholar who's a baller of reading. How you doing, Brandon? Doing great, Nathan. Huh, you excited to watch Jake come back and, and maybe eat his chips? I am really looking forward to it. I am too. I am too. There's nothing that people like. There's nothing that I like better than to watch someone eat chips. And there's nothing that people like better, I think, than to hear someone eat chips. Into Mike. Into Mike. No. So Jake will be providing both services today, I, I guess. We, we started. We're running a tight ship, right, Brandon? Yes. We're running a tight ship today. My fault. Your fault. You got to get down to see your family for the Christmas holidays. Got to. It only comes once a year, man. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> One time too few. One time too few? I was going to say too many, but then, you know. Uh, you're, you, so you wish Christmas came twice a year. <laughs> Yeah. That's what you're trying to say. Yeah. Because you're that much of a who down in Whoville who likes Christmas, as I recall, a lot. Yeah. Roast beef. Uh, Roast beef. Beast. Roast beast. You don't even know what kind of roast beef. Brandon, I think the dirty secret that we're learning today, folks, is Brandon hates Christmas. I do. Because he wanted to say that it's one time too many. I did. I did. (laughs) (laughs) Jake, come back. (laughs) Brandon, we haven't done an episode, just the two of us, since... uh, Faulkner. Francis Faulkner, everybody's favorite. Was that this year? Did I put uh, that yeah. on the board? Yeah, I did. Yeah, I don't, I don't know what. Those were good. Those, those were fine no, episodes. Those were good episodes. I like those episodes. It's always nice to have the pastor who's a master of reading here. and We feel his absence. Yeah, we feel his absence. We're feeling it right now. What did you think yeah. about Star Wars? you see Star Wars yet? I saw Star Wars. How'd you like the Star Wars? I liked Star Wars, Nathan. Oh, yeah. You like the, the, the death of a film franchise? You enjoy seeing someone just... Uh, <sighs> Kick some kick a childhood favorite into the ground and yeah I uh, loved it <laughs> okay <laughs> yeah I kind of liked it too yeah. uh, no I enjoyed the Star Wars I thought it was uh, I don't know I don't know I don't well know. it was very feminist okay <laughs> you don't agree it was very feminist but okay. I weren't strong female leads always in Star Wars wasn't that a part of the gimmick 
Well, here's the thing. Star Wars has always been both feminist and morally relativistic. At least that's what Star Wars has always... Hey, it's the pastor who's a master of reading right there. Hey, Jake. Hi. Welcome to the podcast. We started. I noticed. I'm in character. We've just started. I noticed. And Jake, he's, he's got his passe picante salsa and uh, his bag of chips. Quite the quietest food he's elected to eat. <laughs> this is my dinner. This is his dinner. That's okay. We understand Jake's a busy man. Brandon's a busy man. He's got to make it to his Christmas gathering. So Star Wars. We were just talking about Star Wars, Jake. Welcome. He's the pastor. He's a master of reading. He's got the boots. He's got the jeans. We do our regular, every week, we like to do a Jake outfit check. And today we can say he looks exactly probably like he did last time. I think I know I've described this outfit more than once. He's got the jeans. He's got the boots. He's got the pullover. Generally, uh, in winter, I'm wearing jeans, boots of some kind, and some kind of pullover over a collared shirt. They're yeah. snazzy wearing boots, though. They're not just... They're not work. Yeah. Let's not... Dirty let's not, mud uh, boots. You don't have to... You, I wouldn't want people to imagine you wearing galoshes or something ridiculous like that. That is like not... Like Tom crazy. Bombadil. <laughs> anyway, folks, what's happening today, we are going to do our redux. We're going to talk about all the whole year in review. We're going to look back. We're going to decide what the best book was, what the worst book was, what the best characters, all that kind of stuff. But Jake's got to eat his chips, so I'm just going to be talking to Brandon about Star Wars for a minute. So Star <laughs> Wars, it's always been ostensibly feminist, and Brandon has a look on his face like he's just really excited to hear I'm my so excited. long-form description of star wars the 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 nuances of the meaning of star wars. star wars has always been ostensibly brandon ostensibly ostensibly uh-huh. egalitarian both egalitarian morally relativistic and feminist however star wars has always traditionally been better than its stated philosophies so for example princess leia she's a feminist babe she grabs the gun she shoots the but she basically fulfills the traditional feminine role within the larger framework of the story. She's got the will-they-won't-they with Han Solo, and, you know, I mean, she she gets rescued when she needs to. She puts on the metal bikini, whatever she needs to do. Whatever she needs to do. (laughs) (laughs) She basically... She does. She she actually does fulfill the traditional roles of a princess. She's even called a princess in the movie. She just also has a blaster and she shoots guys and stuff like that. Same thing with the moral relativism. They talk about point of view and all. They say all these morally relativistic things, but at the end of the day, you got a big scary bad guy who laughs as he shoots people with his lightning, and you've got evil Nazis and you've got good guys. It's really not that morally relativistic. It, they just say some morally relativistic nonsense. The problem with this this new Star Wars is that they've actually start, started to believe, they started to practice what they preach, and nobody ever wanted that to happen. No. They started to, they, they started to make all the, uh, I don't know. I don't they know. actually started to uh, embrace the Star Wars the- theology? Yeah, they started to embrace, yeah. And the, the, oh, isn't that something? <laughs> what are the, well, it's not a surprise. It's not that much of a surprise. Jake predicted the whole movie, second time in a row, folks. Not not in a row. I don't know that he predicted Rogue One. I don't know what there was to predict about Rogue One. He probably did. He already knew the plot of Rogue One. Yeah, Rogue One. One <clears throat> we all knew, we all predicted the plot of Rogue <laughs> right. One. But, uh, yeah. I didn't mean to. I tried really hard not to. Last time we meant to. Mm-hmm. Did you really predict the plot of this one? It wasn't as like clean as uh, 
Force Awakens where yeah. we went. Now, the, the Force Awakens, Nathan and I did it together. We just walked through it step by step. Just to be jerks. And then we felt bad and the movie was somewhat diminished. But we, I think we've even talked about this on the booking. We even said like, Kylo Ren, who is Han's son, will be, they will probably be standing over something. Over a chasm. And he will a... have his lightsaber out and it will be turned off and then he will turn it on. It will go. Th- I mean, we, we called the whole thing. Wow. Because we knew they had business interests. They had to, we just. It was just the right factors, you know. Yeah. How do you. you Kathleen Kennedy, J.J. Abrams rebooting the Star Wars franchise, all that stuff. And why do you pick a guy like J.J. Abrams to do it? And what's he going to do? And you knew it was just going to be a New Hope rehash. And you knew who the characters you were dealing with were because of trailers and promotional material and whatnot. And so then it sort of fell off the page. This wasn't quite like that. This was just more like main plot points. Right. And the way that you did it was through a ridiculous bit of brain work that I still don't buy the the steps that you got you the steps that you used to get there. I still don't buy that those were the correct steps, but maybe they were <laughs> cuz you certainly got to the right place and you made me really mad. Um because Jake basically predicted all the things in the movie, and I was like, no, they can't do that. If they do that, it'll suck. <laughs> spoilers. <laughs> all right, folks, we're going to talk spoilers for a second, and we will get to the year redux, but Jake has a few more chips to eat, and Brandon wants to defend his point of view. He loves feminism. He hates I the do. patriarchy. He likes I to do. See, he likes to see morally relativistic nonsense. He hates it when heroes act like heroes. Um, yep. So he's going to defend that point of view. At the end of this, so we're going to talk spoilers, and then at the end of the spoilers, I'll make a noise. So you're, when you're hitting your 15 button, you'll hear me go, oh, when I do it like that, that means you can stop hitting 15 forward. The spoilers are done. All right, we're doing spoilers. Okay, so Jake calls pretty much the whole movie. The one thing that Jake says, I don't know, do you want to take him through it? Give us like the three sentence. Jake's chewing his chips, is wonderful. He's got some restaurant style tortillas right there. Uh, uh, Clancy <clears throat> brand, the best off-brand chips that you'll e- ever to the eat. The very best off-brand That chips. make the best off-brand Cheetos. I think they use like blue cheese or something in them. Uh, the wonderful. I, are those Aldi brand? I don't know. Where Aldi brand, that's right. Yeah. Clancy, Aldi brand, the best off-brand <clears throat> chips. Uh, he's got a truly kind of a terrible salsa to go along with it, I'd say. Yeah, Not, it's a terrible salsa. But, Cheap pace, but, pace picante. I, I say passe. <laughs> passe. Amigo. <laughs> passe. Uh, so I started with two premises. One given to us Mm -hmm. that on seeing this film, the story team and the powers that be decided to give Ryan Johnson his own trilogy. So that I just, I agree with that premise completely. I know that that is a true thing that's happened. All the trades have said it. Premise number two, Ray is not a Skywalker. But where did you get that premise from? I assumed it. I just decided it. But why did you decide it? (laughs) I don't remember. You decided it because you decided that the new trilogy, if, if, Right, right. Johnson's right, right, right. given his own trilogy. It must be because it's either about Ray or it's about something that's it's connected to Ray. Connected to how Ray has influenced the universe. I still hold that that's false. That the new trilogy is connected to Ray in any way. Well, for one thing, as we learned in this movie, Ray's not that important. She's just another Jedi. She's not bringing any kind of particular balance to the Force. Nobody. It doesn't important. mean that she's not that important to the story or to the future of the franchise. It just means that she doesn't come from anywhere special. Maybe unless Abrams retcons that but she also doesn't have any particular new skills or insights or she's just at best another jedi master as far as we know yeah no 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 she's not another jedi master she's the only jedi master the only one who's connected to the original jedi masters through luke 
and through the uh, text that she stole. Luke, who she got absolutely no training. I guess she has those stupid books, but she's not going to find anything interesting in those books. Nothing's ever going to change, folks. Nothing's ever going to change. They've, <sighs> they've shown. They've shown. There's Brandon. He's making a noise like he disagrees. Brandon, I the floor know. is yours. I'd have to care. <laughs> You'd have to care. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think that that's true. Is it? <sighs> I, I think that that's well, a just good to argument. the point about her not being trained. Mm-hmm. Wasn't the point that he's kind of like the Beethoven and she's kind of like the Mozart of the Jedi? Those other little Jedi's had to be trained, and there will be other Jedi's who have to be trained, but they just have particularly strong connection to the Force. That little boy with the when are they going to retcon midi chlorians? By the way, yeah. They, so I just, I mean, I've heard this complaint from a lot of people that this is doing away with the whole master mm-hmm. teacher student dynamic of star wars and mm-hmm. i just don't think we've seen that yet i don't care the only just, problem just because of ray i don't think just because she happens to be like a genius jedi right <laughs> means that they're doing away with the whole need for a teacher i have a couple pro- well darkness you know, rises and the light rises up to meet it yeah so you have a strong dark force and you have a strong light force and as silly as that is that is their justification for that right and that particular move that goes back to the anakin days of the prequels I yoda it. shows up to teach luke again because luke in using a facade of a character that he played once when luke he wanted to test luke so he pretended to be a crazy old guy and yeah now he's acting like that again for some reason it reminded me of Rafiki from The Lion King. Yeah, yeah, which is fun, but it's not actually the Yoda. It's in the past. It's in the past. It doesn't matter. That's not actually the Yoda that we know, even from the the, the Holy Trilogy, the original trilogy. That we don't actually. That's not the Yoda that we actually get to know. Once we get to know Yoda, he's a pretty serious dude. But whatever. And we watched we watched The Empire Strikes Back mm-hmm. again, just so I could try and find figure out what was going on, <laughs> why why people were making a big deal about this. And Luke was always always kind of a What's the word? <laughs> um, bad student? Yeah, he was a bad student, but he was also kind of a whiny mm-hmm. non-hero. Han was the hero. Luke was just a petulant farm boy. Yeah, that... and then he shows up at the end, and he, oh, I mean, he he's always kind of going to the dark side, and the emperor picks up on that, and then his dad saves him. Right. And the whole father-son dynamic, it's its there, but it's not really there. I'll give you that the Luke You in... kind of retcon the father-son dynamic into it. No, it's so, not. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. So uh, I don't know, everything that people are like saying is lost in the original Star Wars, I think, is lost because we've nostalgically kind of put that haze over the original <laughs> Star Wars. Yes, but I didn't... I did put a nostalgic and haze over And that's fine. It. And they, they should have... They ruined my nostalgic haze, bro. I have sympathy for that. They I have sympathy my... for our friend who also feels the same way as you. Sympathy for our... Who's my friend? Jake? No, uh, Ben. Oh, Ben. Yes, our actual friend. Yeah, well, no, our, our, no, I mean, Jake's my friend. I didn't mean it that way. I don't know what other way, you, how other way you could interpret it. So I have sympathy for people who feel like something from their childhood is dying. Yeah. I do feel sympathy for that. I just, I don't feel sympathy for reading things into the original that were never there and then saying that the new movie is bad because it's killing things that never really were. In the original, Luke faced his father. Luke grew into a dude. He was a Jedi master and a wise man by the end of those movies. For In Star Wars terms, I understand it wasn't real biblical godliness or anything, but you know, in, in terms of the mythological arc that he went on, Luke ended having achieved some kind of wisdom, some kind of understanding of his place in the universe. And then suddenly he's lost all that in this movie. And I don't even mind that. What I mind is that we get to the end of the movie and it turns out that Luke hasn't even left his planet. 
He's sitting there doing a Zen thing. I had problems with that too. There's nothing particularly heroic. They don't, we don't ever get to, after waiting, what, 30 years, we don't get to actually see Luke Skywalker, the awesome Jedi master. We never... Like well, you're mo- supposed to believe that the whole astral projection thing is awesome. Yeah, that's, that's what I was going like to say. Nobody, it's something we've never seen before. Yeah. Right, and I'm supposed to tear up <laughs> when I realize it's influenced the whole galaxy. It was the spark that lit the revolution. So but what it, you were supposed to think is Luke has been closing himself off to the Force. And finally, he's opened himself so much to the Force that it kills him. Right. So that he can save everyone else. Yeah. And that's, is, the, that's the emotional which moment. Which is a nice idea, but I it just, didn't. I, I give... I, I grant you that it didn't pay off that well, but I don't think it's necessarily... I don't think Ryan Johnson was saying... The only thing he was trying to do was be sure Luke went out on his own terms, right? Exactly. Which they did. Like he when, needed which to, I liked. I, I, I'm glad that Luke didn't get distracted. So, and look, then, it, it, was, it was an attempt at it, it. It's maybe the one creative thing about the movie, like, is an attempt at a creative way to let Luke go out on his own terms while doing something Force Awesome. Yeah. But I just, from that perspective, no, I, I'm not saying I liked it either. But I wanted it to make me feel force awesome. Like I was, I sat in an IMAX theater with um, Star Wars nerds. Half of them were dressed up, ladies in white gowns with buns on their hair, and you know, just like the whole gamut. Jedi masters, people waving lightsabers around. The the Empire, whatever they're called, the what are the bad guys called? First in this order. One? The first order. They they train all their guns on Luke. They fire a thousand lasers. He steps out of that cloud and flicks the thing off of his shoulder. The whole audience cheers. And so then you expect them to build on that moment and give us finally, after waiting for it the whole movie, the payoff where he does something really cool, and instead he just does this Zen trick Jedi thing, which I guess makes sense because Jedi have always been Zen tricksters, but. I don't know. I, I, it's like I said early on, I think Star Wars has always been better than its philosophy. And this felt philosophically of a piece with what Star Wars says about itself, but it didn't feel like <laughs> what Star Wars has traditionally done. Traditionally, the Jedis are these lame Zen pacifists, but they're always going to give us an awesome action scene because they know that's what we want as an audience and that's what I wanted. And instead we get this thing. Yeah. And the whole lot, you know, it didn't get that much applause at the end. Like the big applause moment was Luke steps out of the cloud and then you have a big rush of anticipatory applause, like what's going to happen now. And then I think a lot of people, I felt the theater deflate after that. And I get that that's like a twist on your expectations, but it's the kind of twist on your expectations I don't like. It's instead of doing something cool, we tricked your expectations and did something that wasn't cool. Yeah. It took a risk and it didn't pay off. But. Yeah. Um, it also is going with the theme I think the movie had of illusion and what you think is something real is not actually something that's real. Right. So with the casino looks well, like with a nice them place, seeing but one it's another really a bunch of vicious yeah. people, and then mm-hmm. Kylo and whatever <clears throat> Ray Kylo being able Ray's to see one another connection thing, which I think is going to play towards themes that are going to come up in the third movie, where we're going to find out a lot of stuff we thought was true was not true in good J.J. Abrams fashion. Yeah, maybe. I mean, maybe she'll... I actually like the idea that her parents are nobodies. I think that's great. I think that's interesting. I think that's going to stay. And I hope that stays. I think it'd be yeah. lame if, oh, actually, it was, you call Obi-Wan a nobody? I think uh, if there are any surprises to come, it has to do with Snoke and whoever's <coughs> behind the... I would love that. Scenes. Well, what I told Jake, what made me mad about Jake's predictions, Jake predicted <coughs> inaccurately that Luke Skywalker would do something awesome after moping the whole movie. Jake predicted the whole movie, only Jake gave us the obvious good ending instead of the weird ending that they went with. They tried to do what I said. I mean, 
Yeah, they did a version. They just did, I think, in my yeah. estimation, the terrible version of sure. of what you said they'd do. Yeah. Um, but you you said Jake would, or you said uh, Luke would like fight the knights of. You know, he'd do something just like. <clears throat> yeah, I thought that they would give us Luke shows up to save Ray. He sacrifices himself, obviously. And, well, I knew that Kylo would have to kill Snoke, right, and probably kill Snoke to save Ray. I thought maybe Luke would kill Snoke. If Luke killed Snoke, it would be a very quick sort of like bam, bam, done and yeah. kind of funny like right uh, thing. But yeah, I, what what I, what I kept trying to come up with was like Luke has to fight the Knights of Ren, and we get sort of like. 10-on-one samurai battle kind of thing. What they ended up trying to give us in uh, Ray and Kylo Ren versus uh, the guard. The Which everyone thinks that scene called. is so cool. And it's just like, uh, maybe, I, maybe... I thought that fight scene would be maybe Luke's fight scene. Right. What, I, the fight scene with Kylo and Ray? Right? Yeah, everybody just thinks it's so cool. It's a pretty good fight. Yeah, it's cool. I mean, I don't know. It would be cooler if I cared about either one of those people. Oh. I don't know. I, I like the idea of... Kylo Ren not being a bad guy. It just it felt to me like at every place where they could do something interesting, they just defied your expectations by doing something lame instead. Up and, and the big part that when Jake told me the plot and laid it out and predicted it correctly, he said Snoke's got to go and we've got to clear the table for Ray versus Ren. And I just it still makes me mad. I just thought, think that's are the wrong choice. It's like let's clear the table for the two least interesting characters to have a mano. Man, I mean, who cares? Well, what they were going to try to do, and what I think they did try unsuccessfully to do, <clears throat> was make them complicated and interesting. What, 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 what you have in a, the genius of Empire was Empire didn't have to carry the weight of solving anything or setting the table. It mm. just had to carry the weight of getting you more emotionally invested in the characters. Right. And so that they go all across their separate ways and they develop and they may, maybe learn some things. And, and then the table set for for the final showdown, and that has to deliver your catharsis. And so I thought that they were going to give us Ray and Ren struggling with their weakness and with dark and light and with disappointment, disappointment in Snoke, disappointment in Luke, and we're going to lose both Snoke and Ray, and at the end we were going to have Ren on firmly planted on Team Dark Side and Ray firmly planted on Team Light Side. Lose both Snoke and Luke, you mean? Did, what did I say? <coughs> you said Snoke and Ray. Oh, yeah, I meant lose both Snoke and Luke. Um, but with some, like, vulnerable some vulnerabilities that they could play with. And that's what they did, and it was the worst. Yeah. They didn't do it effectively enough that I care. Here's the thing. I really enjoyed the movie. I liked watching the movie. It was a fun experience. It was felt like Star Wars. It was great. But I'm not looking forward to the next one because who cares? Everyone that I ever cared about is dead. And what 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 is there to care about? There's there's nothing that needs to be solved. There's no mystery. The that Skywalker I'm saga has to close. There's and no it has to close in a cathartic way, which means they're gonna have to do some crazy work to make Kylo Ren be the one who closes out that saga for us. Yeah. Yeah, I guess so. But who cares? Well, I was disappointed by it, folks. I'm sure everyone will say I'm just being a grouch. <clears throat> but I have no idea what they're gonna do with Leia, unless what I've been thinking is that they're gonna shoot us forward in time. Episode seven and eight were like right on top of each other. Yeah, that would be the smart thing to do. And actually. yeah, I'm imagining them being shooting us forward maybe ten years. I don't mm. know. That's they've almost got to do that because what you're left with, and this is why I got Jake said they're going to kill Snoke, and I was like, you can't kill Snoke because it's got to be good versus evil, which means you have to have a satanic dude. You can't just have emo Kylo Ren, and if you kill Snoke. There is nobody that represents pure evil. Kylo Ren's already kind of 
been back and forth enough and sympathetic enough. I don't care what he does. I don't care if he sticks a lightsaber into Luke Skywalker. He just still feels too weak for it to be a true battle of of good versus evil. And I still feel that way. I mean, who cares about Hux? Who cares about Phasma, whether she lived or died? Well, so that's why I think... So yeah, you give it 10, 20 years so yeah. that Ren can have achieved some stature and and, and then he's a, and then he's an emperor style. We get to see what a sky a, an evil Skywalker running the galaxy actually looks like. And we give all of our TV showrunners <laughs> and cartoon showrunners and movie book writers book writers and... 20 years to play with in terms of bu- building out the story and developing the story that led to the point. But what we've finally seen is the development of a satanic pure evil character. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. Palpatine had to turn somehow, some way or another. He wasn't probably wasn't born pure evil, right? But we got to, we got to see it, right? We now we get to see it, maybe. Yeah. I don't know. I'm saying in the original three. We did? No, nah, man. Well, he we was pure evil before he got beginning. electrocuted. Yeah, we get yeah, when he said Raw Untamable Power. <laughs> 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 I never could figure it out whether <laughs> Do it. <laughs> Do it. <laughs> Was his face, this is something I've always wondered about the prequel trilogy, maybe Jake knows, because he watches some of the cartoons and stuff with his kids, was Palpatine's face revealed to be what it always was in that showdown with um, Purple Guy? Purple, I don't know any Mace Windu. Mace Windu, or... I don't know any more than you do. My, I've just always believed that he just allowed it to get melted to pieces. Because he just doesn't care anymore? He doesn't care anymore. Yeah. And he had one goal, and that one goal was to win Anakin Skywalker and make Could, Anakin pity him. Can I say something real fast, though? <laughs> I've seen some of these debates on Facebook going on, and I want to kind of put my two cents in here. Mm-hmm. Sorry if you guys like these movies, but my kids recently watched the first three, and they're pretty mind-numbingly bad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't think there's any way that they're as good as any like of the original three or these new two. No, I, They're not even good movies. They're just... Here's, here's, here's what I would say. They're, they're, they're terrible. They're bad. They're, they're, they're really bad. They're, like, they're, really, uh, they're almost unwatchable. I think people who are saying that they like those better are just trying to make a point. And you got to stop that because those movies are bad. No, I, I agree. I agree. What I will give George Lucas, what I will take away from the George Lucas is the idea that he should ever film another movie or direct another movie again. He had or write one. He had our obviously given up on wanting to put the effort into actually making a movie by the time those prequels came all around. He wanted to just sit and sip coffee while people ran around in a green screen and he didn't have anybody else bother writing a good script for him. Those movies are terrible. But what I will give George Lucas is that he was always trying to do something interesting and nobody liked the interesting stuff he did. But those movies gave us the Sith, the Jedi Council. They gave us a lot of interesting world building that I actually like. And Mm -hmm. I'm sorry to see these new movies not build on. It's like half the point of the whole casino scene is to, I mean, so much of, so much of, of the new movie was to almost retcon out the first three, mm. the the prequels. Yeah. Like, there was nothing about Canto Bite that that reminded you of the worlds that that Lucas established in the prequels, and mm-hmm. that that was actually kind of cool stuff. You know, it, the movies didn't work, but man, there were a lot of as Nathan likes to say, he gave people a lot of cool toys to tell stories to tell actual good stories in yeah, yeah i thought he like built that. an interesting sandbox and now they're they only want to play in the one little corner of it where the original movies existed and i think that's too bad yeah like that cartoon series the clone wars yeah which is a thousand times better than the second movie which it's better than all the prequels yeah that second movie though literally <clears throat> makes no sense i still don't know what it's about 
Yeah, the Clone it's so bad. The, the Clone Wars <laughs> cartoon, which I, I only got into because of my kids. I started watching it with them. But I like it. It's good. Yeah, it's better than the prequels. It's, it's it, legitimately good. Yeah. But that second, it may be one of the most nonsensical movies I've ever seen. Well, he doesn't like sand. I remember that. And he... You tell me what it's about. and He rides around on a giant tick. Well, something, George something, Lucas had just given up on what, what I happens. think is George Lucas wrote like the Wikipedia entry. Basically, he wrote this big outline of how he wanted stuff to go down, and it was all fine. The next step would be to hire a good screenwriter who can write some decent dialogue and some help build the structure of the actual narrative and everything. And that's he just like skipped that step, and it's too bad because I actually think everything about those movies to me is actually more interesting than just about any other Star Wars that happened. I mean, the fall of Anakin, the corruption of the Senate, the Jedi Council ultimately being dumb and old and stupid and in the way and wrong. All all those kinds of things are really interesting. And all those kinds of characters have the potential. Like, I almost wish that somebody could go back and do those prequel stories right, because I just think the material is there to tell a great epic tragedy. Um, And I think George Lucas even had the right way to do it the right ideas yeah but he, the execution is just the revenge awful. of the sith is not awful yeah it's the best of the three but yeah. it's still pretty clunky yeah no i wouldn't be surprised either if disney tries to read it's it's better if it. you've watched yeah. the cartoon before you've seen it yeah i could see that <laughs> <laughs> well we're wildly off track fellas we still got a redux to get through <laughs> Star Wars. Star Wars. Hashtag Star Wars. What noise did I say I was going to make? If you've been skip, someone's been diligently 1540ing. Oh, spoilers it. over. <laughs> do it. <laughs> do it. All right, guys, let's do some donor shout outs. Donor shout outs. One moment while I log into my donor shout out tutorium here. The Booketing is a book club produced by Christians. What? That's what it says right here. Are we? Yeah. All right, you ready to do some Star Wars related donor shout outs, Brandon? Do it. Jake's just watching this happen. Okay. All right. Let's do it for. Oh, let's see here. We need Star Wars related. Let's do it for... Oh, we'll, we'll do with our our new one first. Okay. Jedi, Jenny Z. Jedi, Jenny Z. <laughs> All right. Sounds yeah. like a rapper. Thank you, Jenny. Thanks for supporting us. Jenny's new to the, the booking. Straight out of re- Compton. Straight reward tier. So, Jenny Z. Say hi to Jenny Z, Jake. Hi, Jenny. Say thanks to Jenny Z. Thank you, Jenny. And all right. Welcome aboard, Jenny. Welcome to the greatest Christian literature podcast patron experience of your life. Next, let's go with, I don't know what uh, <coughs> what a Star Wars related thing would be. For who? Uh, Kylo Robert and Rhonda. <laughs> Kylo Robert and Rhonda. The lovebirds. The, love, the lovebirds. <laughs> Jedi John and Jedi Jill. Jedi John and Jedi Jill. With Jedi Master Max. With Jedi Master Max. And uh, (laughs) let's see. B. What's a Star Wars related B word? Ben. Ben? Kenobi. Oh, yes. Or Ben Solo. Yeah, well, we'll go with? Boba Fett. Boba Fett. I guess Beth Kenobi? 
Beth Kenobi. Yay! Star Wars related shout outs. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's see. What's an M word from Star Wars? Master Luke. Okay. Yeah, we'll just. Unless you have a good one, better one. Jedi Master Maya. Uh, Jedi. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> okay there. <laughs> Jedi Master Maya. Jedi Master Maya. And we've got Jedi J and Katie. The lovebirds. Nobody can see your hands. <laughs> Jedi J and Katie. Who are cold and love cheese. Who are cold and love cheese. Yeah. Who are cold and love cheese. A scruffier looking pair of nerf herders. Never I. No, they're not scruffy looking. I mean, maybe they are. I don't know. I've never seen them. Uh, maybe their skin is like sand. Maybe they're thin. <laughs> Let's hope not. I don't like sand. <laughs> no. But we like them. Sh- yeah. No. Now, you guys are both married. When you were dating your respective <laughs> ladies, did you compare their appearance positively to, or the, the feel of their skin, to the properties of sand? It, it was, uh, <clears throat> no. Cool. I never contrasted my, uh, any girl's skin with sand. Your skin is like sand. <laughs> <laughs> I like sand. <laughs> so rough and coarse. Not like you. Is that really what he says? You can't pretty be that sure. Bad. Oh, it's, it's pretty bad. It's, it's, it's that may be a direct quote. Oh boy! All right. Well, he's got a lady. He got that. Uh, what's her name? Padme. Yeah, he got her. So he must have known what he was doing, I guess. Yep. She's a queen of the queen of Naboo for crying out loud. An elected position, I do believe. Um, I'm gonna look this up. Oh, we got. Uh, is that it? No, no, no. We've got. Uh, Mm. We're missing um, Professor Sith Lord. Yes. Sith Lord X. Sith Lord X. Sith Lord X. 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 Sith Lord. I don't like Sam. It's coarse. Coarse. Rough and irritating. Rough. And it gets everywhere. <laughs> Not like here. It's <laughs> fantastic. Soft. And smooth. Oh, it's embarrassing. <laughs> now, here's my contention, guys. That's writing 101. I, 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 well, I have a contention. Oh, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Con- when, when we read our stuff, mm-hmm. there'll be nothing as bad as that. No. <laughs> <laughs> my, my contention, one, okay, I'll, two contentions. The contention to number one, you should surround yourself with people that tell you the truth, which is obviously what George Lucas did not do because no one just said, George, no, we can't, we can't film this. We can't expect. But here's my actual contention. My contention is that What's his name? The guy that plays Anakin? Hayden, Hayden Christensen. Christensen. He, everyone just like always dumps all over him like he's the worst actor in the world. My contention is we have no idea whether he's a bad actor or a good actor. He might be great. All we know is that he can't take that garbage and redeem it. But you know who else comes off really stiff and wooden in those movies is somebody we know is a good actor, which is Samuel L. Jackson. Samuel L. Jackson is terrible in those movies. He's pretty bad. The only people that really come out of those movies... Okay. Okay would be Ewan McGregor. Ewan McGregor, the guy that plays Palpatine, he's just always having a blast. Gotta love Palpatine. Frank yeah. Oz. Frank Oz comes out okay. I don't know quite how Ewan McGregor does does it because he has some of the clunkier exposition, but he just he has a British accent. He has a British accent. It really helps. And he just looks like he's making fun of it all the time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the thing. That's the thing that British people know how to do that Americans can't do as well. I think is British people can always play play sideways to the material and just give you a hint that they're having fun at the material's expense. That's what Palpatine is clearly just, I mean, he's just like, 
My, well, he has my favorite line when Yoda comes into his office and he's like, my little green friend. He's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so like, you can either be embarrassed by that or you can just have a sense of humor about yourself and just go for it and see if you can pull off my little green friend. Like, that's a great challenge for an actor. How do you say my little green friend and not look like an idiot? And he does it. So poor Hayden Christensen. He didn't have the talent to just like do that, to just take something terrible and make it great. But we don't. he may have... He was so young, too. Yeah, he may have had talent. You know, poor Jake Lloyd is, I think, in later years come out and say, said that Star Wars basically ruined his life. And blah, oh, yeah, he was blah. made fun of for that. Oh, yeah, sure. Of course he was. It's work. Yippee. <laughs> <sighs> All right, folks. This is, one of, this is one of these end of the year episodes, so. Let's do it. All right. Redux. Guys, we're going to go through these categories real quick. We're on a tight schedule, although you wouldn't know it from the 40 minutes of Star Wars talk that just happened. Scott, oh, give we didn't even finish. We didn't even... Star Wars episode. I'm sorry. I'm such a bad host. We didn't even finish donor, <laughs> donor shoutouts. Shout uh, <laughs> you got Eric and... Catherine? Oh, I need a Star Wars name. Eric and... Eric and Maz... Kanata. Kanathrin... Are you a great British actor that can take that terrible line of dialogue that I gave you, Eric and Maz Kanathrin, and make it awesome, Brandon? Or are you a terrible American that's going to look like an idiot having to say something dumb that I can't put in your mouth? Uh (laughs) (laughs) Eric and Maz Kanathrin, the lovebirds. Yeah, awesome. (laughs) Eric, or what's your name? Brandon. He's like Ian McDermott. Brandon. That's the name of the empire. Empire? Emperor? I'm like the evil empire. Mm-hmm. Emperor. Thank you. Yeah. You're welcome. Give it. <laughs> That's my favorite line, if you can't tell. <laughs> That's a great line. I don't know if that it's up there. We'll randomly it. say that at work sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> Should I go and get the book? Do Is it. that what he says before he decapitates poor Christopher Lee there? I think it's... He does say it there, but he comes back to it. Does he say it more than once? I'm pretty sure he does. I think it's what he says when, uh, when Samuel Jackson's about to die, right? Does he? Maybe. I yeah, thought he said... Power! Ultimate power! Unlimited, I think. Yeah. I don't know. It's gonna Maybe it's when he's trying to talk him into killing the younglings. (laughs) The poor younglings. Oh, boy. From the mouths of babes, as Yoda says. You got a phone. Yeah, you sure do. Do it. (laughs) My little green friend. (sighs) Forgot we had a. It's definitely uh, when he decapitates. When him. he decapitates. Um. <laughs> I have waited a long time for this moment, my little green friend. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love the emperor. He just—it's a man that loves his job. That emperor. He's just. He's always having a blast. He loves to go to work. <laughs> he's, just, he's been waiting I, for that. I like that they retcon that Emperor into Emperor Strikes Back. Oh, yeah, that, like, if you watch the Blu-rays now, you see that guy. In. Yeah, I, I like his Emperor. Okay, I'm going to make... Uh, Who played him in the original? Just some dude. Okay. Yeah. Huh. I'm going to say something unpopular, which is... I'm I'm in my early 30s. I basically grew up with the special editions. I mean, I had a VHS of the non-special editions that I wore out, but then I wore out some VHSs of the special editions. They're basically what I remember. I saw them all in the theater. Yeah. I really I would be sad if Disney got rid of them. They're kind of what I'm 
nostalgic for as much as anything. Sorry, I remember a time. Everyone likes to pretend like they're better than the special editions, and I get it. But I remember a time when we were all excited for the special editions, and we wanted to go yeah. see them. And every time the new computer-generated stuff came out, everyone would go, ooh. And it's stupid that Han doesn't shoot first, but I don't know. They're kind of fun. Well, there are three things that I could do away with. In the, I'm with you for the most part. I could do away without the scene with Jabba. Because it just looks fake. Yeah, where he steps on his tail. That's pretty I could bad. do without yeah. the scene where they change the song. Yep. Because that's just awful. The last, the ending? They should have kept the old song. Yeah. No, it's inside the cantina, in, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> they change the song in the cantina, and then they change the ending song. And uh, also, yeah. And so, and, and I sing in Jabba's. They change some of the music, which is just not. Yeah, you don't do that. And then, uh, I don't like that they, they should have just left the old ghost. Why well, they have to go back to hating Christensen? That was a little weird. And Han shooting first, obviously. Because everybody else is old. First. Yeah. So, I you know, I even kind of understand wanting to make Han. I get it. He's a space pirate. He shoots first, but <laughs> I just think I think the one of the real problems with him not shooting first is just that the weird special effect to make like Harrison Ford suddenly go to the side or whatever, and the late Greedo to miss at point blank range was pretty lame. But whatever. I kind of like the special editions, so you can throw out pretty much everything that I said about Star Wars as being junk. But listen, if you're a true Star Wars fan, I've said this many times, if you're, as a true Star Wars fan, you're only allowed to like, like what, one and a half movies? Like you can like some of A New Hope and some of Empire Strikes Back, but Return of the Jedi, George Lucas had already sold out and was trying to sell teddy bears. You know, the whole metal bikini thing's lame. And so... If a true, true, true Star Wars fan likes New Hope, except for he doesn't like the special edition stuff, and he likes Empire Strikes Back, except for he doesn't like the special edition stuff, and he hates everything else, and that's no way to be. I'm with Brandon on that. Star Wars is for the man, not man for Star Wars, and we should enjoy it, and I enjoyed the new one. I just I enjoy having nerdy conversations about it, and I think it's too bad that it's claptrap, but I support you, Brandon, and your let's not take Star Wars so seriously-ishness. Thank you. <laughs> but also, I'm a nerd that grew up with it, and I take it too, and I think taking seriously and taking it seriously is part of the fun. So that's the catch 22. But whatever. I don't know. I'm caught. I'm like Kylo Ren. I feel the tug of the dark and the light side. <laughs> yeah, because you always have to go back to the debate does culture produce art or does art produce culture? And then I do have sympathies for people who have real pastoral concerns. You know, when you see a movie like Star Wars and you think through its feminist propaganda that it has and it's propaganda that it's it's liberal agendas that it has obviously you know pro obamacare and Mm -hmm. all that stuff that's throughout the movie so of course that stuff is real and you have to deal with that we're we're 40 minutes in i'm calling it this is a star wars episode of the looking stay with it so uh jake your thoughts (laughs) (laughs) so i mean so you you have to take that into consideration yeah and i i i don't want to just i'm kind of taking the casual attitude here i do understand kind of what's at stake with the argument, I'm just really tired. Because <laughs> I think people are, I think it's getting well, intertwined with each other, and it's and really it's hard. It's fun to like things, you know? People, it's like there's a whole subculture of nerd nerddom that's just like the only enjoyment they get is in hating something and being better than it. It's like if you don't go into a Star Wars movie with your base assumption being that it would be better to like this movie yeah. than not to like it, then, like we have a friend who whose name we will not name and there was no way he was gonna like the movie because he's just comparing it to its his childhood Ugh, whatever 
And that's fair enough. I, I understand that point of view. What I I think you're going to find, Brandon, that many things in life come down to a point of view. I can't do the line. I don't know what the line is. Who said is. that? Uh, Obi-Wan. Obi-Wan in uh, Return of the Jedi. I think. Just a, oh, to a point of view. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> um, I guess, I don't know what I'm trying to say. you have any thoughts? My thoughts are along the lines of, I mean, just like if we're talking big picture. We're talking big picture? Yeah, sure. My thoughts are along the lines of what Nathan's thoughts were at the top when I walked into the room, which Star Wars is, has always been better than its principles because it's just been about fathers and sons and chosen ones and good versus evil and a space opera western type thing. To see Johnson come and think he's being creative by being iconoclastic and destroying all of that and giving us a not an egalitarian but a feminist universe where everything's upside down. Where we're used to seeing Han and or or whoever go on some crazy journey to do some crazy thing that may not work, and they pull it off and they save the day. Well, we're gonna give you that, but instead they ruined the day and got a bunch of people killed, and they should have just listened to the women. We're gonna give you some sacrificial heroes, but they're all gonna be women. And when we, you think we're finally gonna give you a dude who's gonna be a sacrificial hero, he's gonna fall into the same trap that he fell into in the first episode when he kept trying to hold Ray's hand. He can't be the hero. He can't be the sacrificial hero. Rose has to pop through and save him from killing himself and spout off some garbage about how we don't win by destroying the things we hate, but by saving the things we love. Well, guess what? Sometimes you save the things you love by destroying the things. That's how we defeated Hitler, though, (laughs) by saving the things that we loved. Not destroying the things we hate. Like that George Clooney movie. Love and hate go hand in hand. You you hate the things that threaten what you love. Yeah. And that's the way it is. The Bible teaches this pretty pretty plainly. Uh, do I not hate those that hate you is a prayer that David offers to God. Um, You're supposed to break the jaws of the wicked. <coughs> we're supposed to hate evil. We're supposed to hate sin. We're supposed to hate it in ourselves, and we're supposed to hate it in the world and in others. And that doesn't mean that we're to hate our enemy. We're to love our enemy and pray for those who persecute us. But I'm getting, I'm getting a far, a, a little far afield. The point is, men, men will have their miz, mm. or they'll rebel. The fact is, they're taking it all away, and uh, they're taking it away from fathers and sons. And I think it's shooting themselves in the foot. Like what little boy? Like my kids don't care about the movies, and they don't care about. Ray and stuff. We asked and they your son who his favorite character was, and he said it was Chewbacca. Right. Because there was nobody for him to grab on, nobody else for him to grab onto. So he just thought, I guess Chewie's kind of cool. Like all the other characters get demoted and picked on, and they screw ups and they quit and they're lazy, or, and, you know, they're going to be hermits for 30 years and they're afraid. And I guess, you know, Chewbacca is a guy who's just there sort of along for the ride and trying to do the right thing. And he's got some funny stuff with Porgs. Like, that that's what they left my son, is Chewbacca huh. and the Porgs. Like... <laughs> my kids, their favorite characters. Uh, Jack's favorite was Finn. Yeah. Elliot's favorite was Poe. Which makes sense. I asked him why. Well, I buy what you're saying. But then at the end, there is the moment where it's more like Poe has to learn to tame his willingness to just go out and take unnecessary risks so he can actually be a leader. Because at the end, Leah does hand over the reins to him. Yeah, but... but There's no actual men characters. All the boy characters are all just... uh, Or uh, Freudian slip, I said all the boy characters. All the male characters are boys who have to learn the lessons 
of boys, and there's actually from their mothers, from their mothers, yeah. And there's no actual father figure, and the one guy that was set up to be the father figure that we're expecting to be the father figure, we subvert expectations in an interesting, cool way by figuring out by finding out that he's just a mopey, just as mopey and emo and broken as us. And I reject that. I reject that in my myth. I don't want my heroes to be always as emo and broken and stupid. As me, I don't want them to have to learn I, the same lessons. I think Mark Hamill is a hundred percent right in his criticism of the script and of the movie. He, he he had the quote, you know, months ago. I fundamentally disagree with every choice you've made about this character. But then he's since been interviewed. I don't know if you saw this. Yeah, I did. Where he just says, "Jedi don't quit." The whole thing about Luke was that he never. Like, the only thing I knew about Luke's character in the movies was that Luke, he never quits. And he always is just going to, always going to go and try to save his friends and, and do the right thing. He might make stupid decisions. He and might he might, yeah, he might orders. be foolish. He might, he might be, but but the one thing he's not going to do is is quit. And if he screws something up, he's going to try to make it right. The idea that he could screw up this colossally and then quit is just fundamentally out of character just doesn't work and i think that you're right when you say they're shooting themselves in the foot and i think they're actually shooting themselves in the foot commercially yeah yeah exactly i think these movies are not going to be as resonant for people and they are going it will take years i'm i'm prophesying here decades out but these movies will lose their place a just through oversaturating the market with them so that star wars the last time Force or what's this one that just came out? Last Jedi is the last time anyone's ever going to be excited for like a Star Wars trailer to drop because now we're just used to it again and there'll be one every year. But whatever, larger than that, there's nothing that ultimately resonates. The striking thing for me about that movie, and people say I'm just being a whiny nerd, but I don't want to see it again. And that's so weird. Like, I like Star Wars. I saw Rogue One twice simply because Darth Vader walked down a hallway and did some cool Darth Vader stuff. But there's nothing particular. There's there's no particular burning need for me to see this movie again because I don't know. I don't know. At the end of the day, it's bad storytelling, right? It's bad. It's bad storytelling. Who cares? I want to say cares? it won't be as. There's no big thing to be solved in the next movie. We have an emo villain, a girl for a hero, and I guess they'll have a lightsaber du- duel, and one of them will die, and I wouldn't be surprised if it was the bad one. But that's not an interesting narrative problem for me to wonder how they're going to solve in the next movie, like Luke being the yeah. son of Darth Vader was yeah. for Empire, or like Anakin Sky, even like Anakin Skywalker slowly rotting inside was for those dumb prequels the dumb prequels every time the new dumb prequel came out you'd be like gee i wonder how they're gonna do it handle this part section of the story but i just am not interested to know what they do i mean what does it matter what's what does it matter what they do in the ninth one there'll be some battle scenes some cool special effects there'll be some humor what you know they're not gonna do is bring balance to the force right there's not gonna be i mean that would be the one interesting thing to do is finally give us unless they're gonna go and tell backstories which they're not going to do. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, yeah, I see what you're saying because that is why, besides just being campy, people have grabbed onto it and really like Star Wars in the same way a lot of things become campy and people really like that thing. I like the idea that it's become popular because it tapped into a myth. Mm. I like the idea of myth. Father and son, father saving son. Mm. Good and evil, good having to triumph over the evil. You don't see that here because... It's more of a yin and yang sort of situation. I think you're the one who mentioned that before. So that's not something I've thought of. But, you know, so if there's going to be a yin, there has to be a yang. And it's not necessarily because it's good and evil and good has to triumph, even though there's the hope that good will triumph. 
there is something hollow about these mm-hmm. that is coming out with a second movie. They put a yin-yang on the floor of the Jedi Temple. Really? I didn't see that. There's a, some kind of seal yeah. on the floor, and it's a Jedi of some kind in like a meditation pose. Mm-hmm. And it's like like it's it's yin and yang. It like one side is white, the other side is black. Or yeah. one side's light, the other side's dark, and then there's like yeah. dots or something on either side. And I even though it. I think that the idea of balance and good and evil always coexisting was always in Star Wars. Yeah. There was the idea that good would triumph and good needed to triumph. So George Lucas accidentally borrowed from real true myths even though he was trying to do something different i think george lucas was always better than his philosophy and i think these so i see I'm, I'm buying this point yeah and i i buy your point that also it's just a fun dumb movie to eat popcorn and you can eat a lot of popcorn and enjoy it and it's fine i did in fact i didn't actually eat popcorn metaphorically speaking i did eat popcorn and i did enjoy the movie um, i mean i think our in, without argument this is the best stylistically it's really pretty. Yeah, it's it's like that yeah. last scene on the planet with the salt and the red. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was really that was cool. just breathtaking to watch. Yeah, well, that was it's, pretty cool. It, yeah, if you think about and, like um, those Peter Jackson Hobbit movies, you don't really get the sense that you're standing in the Elf Hall. How much you don't just like feel the tactile dust in the air. How how sort of and it's not just a matter of bad CGI or good CGI or anything like that. It's just story storytelling with the camera that makes you feel like you're in a time and you're in a place, makes you feel cold, makes you feel hot, makes you feel like there's metal or like there's trees or like there's salt or like there's sand. This movie was well done in that way. You just It felt so Star Wars. It reminded you of everything in your childhood, how you sort of felt like you were on a swamp planet with Yoda, how you felt like you were on a cold ice planet. It just gave you that sort of tactile Star Wars feeling. It was the sound design. It was the camera shots. It was the way scenes were set up. Yeah, it worked. It was good narrative filmmaking of a type yeah. that's hard to do. And I, I use the <clears throat> Hobbit examples just as an example of some. Peter Jackson's actually not, I would say, terrible at that kind of stuff, but he's not yeah. as good as this guy is. So, if we're going to come up with a legitimate, but what's really worrisome about this line of reasoning mm. is that if we go too far that way, we end up making this new movie out to be wicked, which it could very well be. The the new one, yeah. I think it's a movie without any solid moral grounding. Well, if it's a feminist worldview and it's turning everything upside down, and it's also espousing that the good doesn't triumph because the good shouldn't triumph, that there always needs to be a just the good and the evil need to coexist. We need to understand that we live in the world and not have the rich overburdening the poor and realizing that everybody has access, equal access to this force if they can just tap into it. There's kind of a weird NPR-ish liberal agenda going on there that is just purely wicked. Yeah, it is, but people can be mature about it and still enjoy the movie. Yeah. What I what I want to argue is that that just makes for a worse and less resonant and less moving story, and that's where the punishment is. The yeah. punishment isn't that Christians can't go see and on some level enjoy the movie. The punishment is that there's not as much movie to enjoy. I wrote an article that got a lot of traction on the internet among nerds that hated me about the feminism of the first Star Wars movie, and a lot of people asked me after that, like, Nathan, are you going to go see the next Star Wars movie? It's like, yeah, of course. I like Star Wars. What's the big deal? It's not this all or nothing. Yeah. It's it's evil. You can't go see stuff. That was never my point. My point was just let's think about this stuff in a mature adult way. Let's not assume because some, we like something and it makes us feel something that it's therefore good. Yes. I was hoping you would say that because that would kind of be my response to it is that are you really that surprised, right? That the agenda is coming out in a movie like this. No, no. Are you really that surprised at a world that has that Jenner 
his name? Bruce. Bruce Jenner. His. We have a world that has him and has all the sort of wickedness that's going on with sex and gender and identity. And does it really surprise you that Star Wars would have it in it as well? It only surprised me, me insofar as that they're in the business of making money, which means they're in the business of telling resonant stories. But which means they're in the business of telling stories that reflect the way that God made the world because those actually will be more resonant and powerful. Surprise, yes. surprise. So, and that's why, like the, that's why Marvel is kind of doing it right. Yeah. Because they're tapping into that, and they're making a lot of money. But Disney has been going this direction a long time with Frozen and with Moana oh, sure. and all these other things. So it was really not that surprising because what they think is they'll make money now by grabbing on to the... The cultural the zeitgeist hip. and yeah. Yeah, the hip zeitgeist, zeitgeist that's going yeah. on. Well they actually them. have the hubris to think that they'll change things. They think they'll change things. They also think they'll be on the bandwagon that will eventually win. Mm. Yeah. And that they'll They're be the right seen as history. Yeah, they'll be seen as the <laughs> kind of cultural th- uh, representation of this moment. And that by the way is why we will soon reach a day where you will have to make a very conscious moral decision about whether your children go see Star Wars cuz it'll have a lesbian kiss or something. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if it was next movie. I know that's the crotchetiest old man thing for me to say, but just you wait, folks. I mean, it's got to be within another movie or they two. They gave you a lesbo bait in this one. Yeah. And it was and It wasn't meant. I mean, they'll never cop to it. But No, they learned their lesson from Beauty and the Beast where it's like it's better to just kind of well, Bill Condon. They just gave an emotional scene between Leia and Holdo where they held hands and looked into each other's eyes. And there was nothing necessarily sexual in any way yeah, about I didn't it. I pick up on anything. Yeah. I, I don't care what you say it was. Two friends who respect each other, one who happened to have purple hair. Well, also one who... No, now that you say it, it makes perfect one sense. One who's I just think, in Holdo is, is much more effeminate, traditional, even with her purple hair. She's just kind of... A, yeah. a, she's more girlish. And then Leia, who's this crusty old... Battle, battle axe. axe. <laughs> yeah, what other yeah. word could I have entered that sentence with than battle axe? Yeah. But huh. uh, yeah, I mean, they make kind of a classic lesbian pair. I don't know. I don't know. It was just bait is all it was. I buy it. Right. I'm not surprised. So I, I just think that we'll have a lesbian. I think it's fascinating how much they go out of their way not to give you any kind of traditional... These kinds of movies from time immemorial have had the love story, and it's just that simple. I mean, you have Poe and whatever. It's the tension of who's going to end up with who is just like you put that in. and Who's going to end up with Finn? Right. Ray or Rose? (laughs) Right. Oh, no. Rose came on the picture. That complicates things. Like, that's... That's just supposed to be part of the fun of a movie like this, but they they go out of their way. Again, it's like all the characters, especially well, the male characters in particular, just all feel like little boys who have to learn little boy lessons and have to learn how to be friends and play nice, don't feel like men. Yeah, and all of the men who were leaders before died. <laughs> mm-hmm. Were killed by their sons. Akbar died. No, I mean the leaders of the resistance. <laughs> That's right. Akbar died. Akbar unceremoniously and, uh, in a corner. Mm-hmm. A lot of people were mad that he's not the one who flew the ship into the other ship. Well, that would have made sense if they wanted to do something that would be a little bit more moving and resonant for Star Wars fans, but instead they wanted to have. You know, I don't know. We might have been calling it manipulative or something like that. Just trying to cash in even more on the only place where they've been able to develop any emotional resonance. Well, I'm, I will cop to being a bitter little nerd who probably would have complained. Brandon liked Star Wars, though. I liked it, too. We all liked Star Wars. Jake texted me after he watched it, and he said, I laughed, I cried, I everything else. I mean, I did. I actually liked the casino scene, too, which makes me an outlier. But <laughs> I keep giving 
people reasons to not take any of my opinions on this movie credibly <laughs> whatsoever. <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> I like the special editions. I like the casino scene. I thought the politics in the casino scene were incredibly stupid. Yeah, we gave the one percenters what they uh, deserved. Yeah. Now let's go out and watch a horse race. <laughs> I want to stay here. There's no urgency in what we're doing. It wasn't, it was just how much they drug it out and tried to make a moral point. If you could just give me the like flash through, if they could have cut it down and give me the flash through and, and show me the 200 new characters, you know. Mm puppets and cgi people that they made i just like that aspect of it it just reminded me of being a kid and watching the star wars movies and discovering a new planet every movie would have a couple new planets and you'd be like oh that's what's this planet like and you'd have a couple minutes of just looking around yeah it was was nice to have a new planet to discover even if it was a 1920s casino vegas i don't think there was anything wrong with the planet i think it was more just that whole side story was unnecessary we've got to free these horses and yeah Go find the code breaker. That whole, th- just that side story. Well, the fact that they went out of their way to make it like, it turns out Haldo had a plan and everything that they did was useless and exactly that just and destructive. destructive. That they seemed, brought the guy. And that was completely unconvincing. I, I thought one of the worst characters is Haldo, the purple haired woman. Mm-hmm. Laura Dern. From she was one of the, she was the, probably the worst character in the movie, I would say, mm-hmm. simply because she was there just for the twist. And it didn't really work. Her character was flat. Well, we've you talked. Didn't often really feel sorry for her. When how she... we don't like it when, even when it's a point of view we agree with, we don't like it when they write a character or a situation that's obviously designed just to make a point and not designed to follow yeah. any kind of actual internal logic. And that's what Haldo felt like, as she was yeah. just there to act in the way that the plot required her, and then to act a different way, and then to act the third way as the script required in order to make their little their cutesy little point about how Poe the mansplainer actually needs to yeah because you she wasn't a character that you felt any sympathy for it was a cool idea to fly the ship at light speed into another ship if she was such I mean I'm sorry I'm just gonna be a dork here and and say the obvious thing you know you're supposed to suspend your movie logic or whatever but if she were a, a an actual good commander, the kind of good commander that we were supposed to believe she was, she'd let people know what was going on, yeah. especially if she had any wisdom and knew that she had an impulsive dude in Poe Dameron, even if he was a little boy. Like, well, if he's really that given to just disobeying orders and causing problems, then throw him in the brig, knock yeah. him out, do what you have to. Right. Or if he's useful and awesome and you secretly are like, ah, oh, Poe, Poe's got to be Poe, give him a job to do and make it an awesome job yeah. that will excite him. And, you know, you've got mm-hmm. this wild card guy with all his masculine energy. Just uh, channel it. There's lots of different ways as Haldo that you could successfully use Poe Dameron and or tamp Poe Dameron down. But the one thing you don't do is be like, oh, well, I've got a plan, but I'm not going to tell you because I don't like you. And But you still have free access to all the stuff. And then all of a sudden you like him and you're supposed to be the sacrificial hero of the movie. Yeah. It's pretty, it was bad writing. Yeah. Bad writing that was in there mostly to make a point about egalitarianism and feminism and you know all that kind of stuff. And that's the thing, you know, people always say It was, yeah. People yeah. say I'm gonna eat my popcorn and I'm gonna enjoy we had I had a good a friend, a guy that I like on Facebook said I the movie I knew the movie, you know, Star Wars has always been egalitarian, feminist, whatever. I knew that's what it was gonna be. I went in, that's what it was, I enjoyed it anyway. I, I, I guess I kinda get that, but on the other hand, that actually <laughs> makes the story worse like it makes it less entertaining when it's not 
resonating with the truth of the universe as God built it. It's not as emotionally satisfying. It's not as moving. It's not as exciting. It's not as suspenseful. The characters don't feel as real and the situations don't feel as real and it just doesn't work. Like I, th- I actually think that there is pragmatic storytelling value in being biblical. Huh. So first you should be biblical because you should be biblical and obey God. That would be the number one reason. But if you happen to be an artist who's telling stories, I think you'll tell... And if you happen, even if you happen to be someone who's telling stupid space operas, I think you'll tell better stupid space operas if you're writing the universe as God made it. Yeah. But Nathan, it was it's set a long time ago in a galaxy. Shut up. Does anyone actually make that argument? What? <laughs> what? It's set in our. It's a long time ago. Yes. The whole point is that it's not. Oh, right. Yeah, just says, shut up. Obviously, it's, we know that like women should, uh, wives oh. should obey their husbands in this universe, but oh. and, and women are weaker. You know, the Bible says women are weaker. We know that's how it works here, but that's they, not the point. They have the force there. It equalizes the everything. The point is what what makes a story resonate for everybody. And that's, if it's founded on the truths of Scripture, that's what you're saying. And yeah. the, the myths resonate because the myths are founded on the truth of Scripture. Fathers and sons resonate. Husbands and wives resonate. Saving the bride or the woman resonates mm-hmm. because these are truths that are built into all of us. You know what would have been really awesome? What's that? If Spielberg had directed and written the original Star Wars. If they had been as good as Indiana Jones. <laughs> because I'm, I'm with you guys. And mm-hmm. then I go back to the fact that we just watched Empire Strikes Back. Mm-hmm. And? Can I say it? Yeah, say it. It's not good. Well, I don't really want to blow my, all my Star Wars credibility, <laughs> but all those old movies are kind of lame when you watch them. Yeah, they're, they're, am I wrong? They're poorly acted. Yeah. Yeah. They're not all that well written. So, but then it really resonates with people, and it's because that final scene where Darth Vader says, Luke, I'm your father, that's amazing. It's great. great. And without a doubt, that's really a fantastic scene. And so it all builds up to that one moment, Mm kind of like, you know, Fahrenheit 451 or something. Mm -hmm. It stumbles about, and you really wish it had come, like the Star Wars universe had become something big and better. Mm -hmm. And I think it's telling that probably the only movie from these new series that will last is the one that goes back and attaches itself to the old mythology, mm-hmm. which is Rogue One. Mm-hmm. And in that one, you actually had real manly characters dying. I mean, it was sadder seeing that robot die right. <laughs> in Rogue One than it was in watching any of the characters die in this new movie. I I, I, mean, actually, I think I shed more tears for the robot. Like, I, I kind of cried some when tears the robot actually died. came out of my eyelids <laughs> for the stupid robot. Yeah. You had the actual, you felt the weight of Darth Vader's evil walking down that hallway. I mean, that was... Yeah, that was a scary, like, yeah. awesome... It was tempting. Yeah. You felt the draw of the dark side and mm-hmm. why it's so powerful and strong and so he kind of whoever directed that kind of got it mm-hmm. and i actually kind of think he improved on whatever it was that star wars whatever it was was good in the original star wars which was the danger of the dark side the good and think, desperation of the good trying to fight the darkness mm-hmm. i th- i think a new hope for all of its cheesy campy lameness actually watches better after rogue one like like there's a whole... real work to set yeah. up like the story and Vader and why everybody's terrified of him. And I love the idea yeah. that there's people that the history books don't remember and that a whole group of people died just to get R2-D2, his cute little MacGuffin that he's going to roll around with for the mm-hmm. the whole of A New Hope. I mean, I think that's a really fun idea. Yeah, Rogue One's an interesting movie, I think, because 
apart from the Star Wars, like if you just take it as a movie, it doesn't really work. It's kind of lame. Like if you just divorce it from Star Wars, but then you realize you can't divorce it from Star Wars. It brings the weight and the history of our feelings and our understanding about Star Wars. And therefore, it's actually a really moving, powerful movie. You could say that about a lot of Marvel movies that they don't work or they don't work nearly so well. Except for in context. Except for in context. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that's fine. Some of the best moments of (coughs) Spider-Man Homecoming rely on and assume this huge emotional weight that has been built up in the character of Tony Stark over 15 million Marvel movies. We literally spend eight minutes with Tony Stark in the Spider-Man movie, but... His scenes matter because of what how we've seen him grow in other movies. Yeah. yeah. I'm sort of proud of Tony Stark. Like, oh, he's become a good father figure. Who would have thought? But the, there's nothing in Spider-Man Homecoming taken as its own thing that gives you that, really. It's, it's in yeah. context. And I had to get over that with Rogue One. Like, so I just thought this can't be a good movie because if you actually think about it as a movie, it doesn't work. It doesn't tell you who Jin Erso is or tell you why it matters. And I still think it has some problems, but I think it was unfair of me to try and imagine it from the point of view of someone. It's like, if someone just watched this without knowing what Star Wars was, this wouldn't be any better than like Aragon or something like that. But Aragon's this dumb thing. And, um, (laughs) Is it that dragon book? Yes, yeah, that dragon thing. It's, it's just some random fan. Well, I think you're, I mean, I think Rogue One's better than that. Yeah. But <clears throat> I see what you're saying. But that's fine for a, someone to set up a world and then tell stories within that world once that world is established. C.S. Lewis did it with the Chronicles of Narnia. Sure, yeah. And that's perfectly fine. You don't have to do a lot of the background storytelling and world building that the other ones did because it assumes that you are familiar with the world and the mythology behind it. That's, so, maybe that's, that's actually a good way to talk about episode eight and what I don't yes. like about episode eight. It's doing the opposite thing. What I think it's doing is it's trading on our nostalgia and the resonance that we feel for Star Wars, for that music, for that look, for it's the sound of those It's cashing in all engines. the chips. It's cashing in those chips. Meanwhile, it's giving you this dumb, egalitarian, yes. mordantly, awfully feminist story that's slapping you in the face, forever believing in the idea of heroes in the first place. You still kind of like it because it just has that Star Wars baggage attached to it, which reminds you of your, you know, it's just, it's Star Wars. Why why not? You can't. And I don't want to take that away from it. I think <sighs> you do actually still kind of like it, and maybe you should. But well, that's why I think the franchise has limited lifespan, for me at least, for my interest. I agree. I see what you're saying. I, what I've bought from this conversation is the fact that it's divorced itself from the mythology, and that's the most helpful thing I, I see. And that matters. Criti- criticizing this movie, because it matters, because the myth is what keeps something alive. Mm-hmm. So anything that's going to survive as a story has to be connected to either some, like, even though we're not going to get around to talking about <laughs> it, well, the, the best book we read last year, Anna mm-hmm. Karenina. What is it tapping into? Well, it's tapping into, you know, man and woman, husband, wife, uh, adultery, all mm. these themes that are universal mm. and that resonate with people, and judgment for you know, for sin, and hopefully reconciliation, repentance, and if not, then final judgment. Mm. Those things they matter, and that's why next year Flannery O'Connor will matter mm-hmm. and things like that. But this movie here is trying to give us what earlier I called the cheap NPR stuff. Right, and that stuff isn't going to last. That stuff's like dust; it burns up. It's going to be gone. It has to be tapped into something that's real and that's resonant for people. How many times have, can I say resonant in this podcast? I think we've said it quite a few times. I, think I've just, said it. I don't know what other word to use. <laughs> I don't know if Jake has used it yet. Jake, you want to use the word resonant in a sentence? Mm. No, I think I'll try to... I don't know if I've said it or not, but I'm going to try to avoid saying it. 
See if we can get him to say it. <laughs> <laughs> so what it is like is as pretty as it looks, as stylistically nice as it looks. It's empty and hollow. Mm-hmm. A lot like Hemingway, mm-hmm. <laughs> to be honest. A lot yeah. like Dubliners. Yeah. Yeah. Am I wrong there? Or Whereas. It's nice. There seems like there should be something to it. Mm-hmm. But when you actually figure out what there is to it, it's not that nice. Whereas the original movies are kind of cheesy and they can be a little purple and silly, but they're tapped into something real. Much like Something Wicked This Way Comes was this year. Yeah. Could be a little silly sometimes. The story of a fathers and sons, good and evil. And in the end, I mean, sorry, Star Wars fans, but something wicked this way comes is better. Yeah, <laughs> so it's much better. But Star Wars is still fine, right? But so, the Last Jedi. Can I can I do my microcosm thing? Sure. I don't know what it, that is, but yeah, you do. You I'm sure I'll know it once I get it. I don't know it by its title. The Last Jedi in a microcosm, represented by one scene from the film. Oh. I know Luke what that scene is. thinks he wants to destroy all of the mythos, all of the lore, all of everything around the Jedi, and he doesn't really want to do it. He wants something creative and new, and he thinks it all should die, but he doesn't. So he's going to go and he's going to light the tree on fire, and then he can't do it. And then puppet ghost Yoda shows up and gleefully, mockingly blows it all to smithereens in a lightning storm. And laughs at Luke while he sits there mourning the loss of the mythology and the lore. Wow, that's kind of dark. <laughs> <laughs> that's what they did. Pop yeah, up. yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's what they did. That's what that's what they Do did. <laughs> Do it. Do it. <laughs> Puppet Luke is Ryan Johnson and the Kathleen Kennedy Brain Trust. Just Puppet Yoda. Or pup yeah, sorry, Puppet Luke. Well, it is Puppet Luke. It's not my Luke. Yeah. <laughs> it's just it's not pup- even Mark Hamill's Luke. No, it's just Puppet Luke. But the women are gonna steal the mythos away. They stole it away. There's a real hollowness to that. And there's a reason that as, you know, sparkling a little moment as it had, Wonder Woman really hasn't really resonated with anyone. And the Amazonian myths never really resonated with anyone. It was more like kind of this monstrous shadow thing that happened. Mm -hmm. But the real, you know, the real hero (laughs) was Hercules and these guys that had to deal with the Amazonians. They were the monsters on the sides because they were unusual and weird. Mm Mm-hmm. In those parts of myths, they can be a part of myth, but they stay where they're going to be on the sides and make way for the manly hero. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. So sorry, feminists. Wonder Woman, the hero, is <sighs> fine. But nobody cares. <laughs> There's a reason. She, she ruined the Justice League, right? <laughs> Isn't she the bad part about it all? I thought she was pretty terrible in Justice League. I've not seen Wonder Woman still. I've held my guns on that one. but I've heard that... The, I mean, that's what I'm saying is that movie, for as much as everybody... She was trying to be Athena. I think somebody made that point. That's what Jake said, yeah. yeah. She had one fun scene. But even Athena, even Athena, as God, I mean, literally, godlike as she was. No, she exists to help out her man. Odysseus and Achilles, Achilles. yeah. Yeah. They're they're the real heroes. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, you just can't get away from it. And feminism will not win. They're not going to change the cultural mindset. They might do it briefly, but then guess what? We'll all become licentious and full of lust and... Um, we'll eat ourselves and mm-hmm. literally devour ourselves to death, like Augustine says in City of God. Mm-hmm. Everything will collapse. It'll go back to dust. Our libraries will burn. And then we'll have men heroes rise up like Beowulf. We'll write legends and myths about them so that they can establish cities with economies that are strong enough for us to have children who eventually forget and begin to marry the same sex and have debauched cultures again that will then arise up and burn and collapse and fall and 
Just <laughs> so the cycle repeats Sounds, itself. <laughs> yeah. Yin and yang, dark and light. <laughs> wow. <laughs> but then it'll all have its end. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm well, not ashamed yeah. to say it. With the King of Kings. Yep. Who's a man? <laughs> the final victory. I mean, feminism loses because it's false and it's not true. And because it will lose. Feminine, <laughs> feminism loses because Jesus wins. That's Great. right. They, I mean, it loses. So there you go, Ryan Johnson. Yeah. You lose, Ryan Johnson. You lose. And no one will remember your stupid movie. <sighs> it was really it, fun to watch. Yeah, it was. <laughs> <laughs> I enjoyed it. <laughs> I laughed. I cried. <laughs> Well, this has been a great uh, year in review. everybody a quick programming note first of all you should probably know that the booking was written and produced by nathan alberson performed by the brandon chastain the jake mensel the nathan alberson quick programming note we still want to do our year in review somehow we ended up spending 90 minutes or whatever that was talking about star wars there we said our star wars theories and it was a good time was had by all however uh we ran we actually ran out of time <laughs> brandon had to go on christmas vacation and uh, we didn't get a chance to do our here and review or our redux. So we're going to do that. But what we're going to do, because we're, we're going to really switch things up on you, we're going to do the next couple of weeks, we're going to do our first book of 2018 till we have Faces Part 1, till we have Faces Part 2. Then we're going to come back. We're going to do year in review. We're going to round out January like that. Then we'll go into February, Jane Austen month, the great Jane Austen. We'll talk about her. And then we'll be off, Ready Player One and so forth, doing our bookening thing. But year in review is coming a little bit late. So hope you enjoyed this uh, Yuletide Star Wars discussion, or as the episode will be titled, Merry Christmas, parenthesis, Star Wars is over, close parenthesis. <laughs> A John Lennon joke, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> the most elaborate pun in the history of booketing puns. Um, oh, man. Hey, thanks for listening, everybody. Happy New Year. <coughs> Happy New Year, Brandon. Happy New Year, Nathan. Happy New Year, Jake. Happy New Year. Merry Christmas. Many fine Star Wars movies in your life to come, I hope. Many fine Star Wars movies to you, Brandon. You too, Nathan. And may the Force be with us all as in 2018. <laughs> Everyone. <laughs> <laughs> may the Force be with us all. Everyone. Everyone. <laughs>